This is the reality. Hello, I'm Dudley Anderson. Today on The Reality, we speak to Raj Holness, author of The Only Arranged Marriage, Raj's founder and managing director of Breaking the Silence UK, ministry to survivors of domestic abuse, forced marriages and human trafficking. In 2015, Raj Holness was awarded the British West Midlands Woman of the Year and West Midlands Most Inspirational Woman. Raj grew up in an abusive environment where she was physically, emotionally abused as well as frequently raped. After her parents' failure at the attempt to marry her off in repeated marriage arrangements, Raj left home. Raj sadly ended up in abusive relationship after abusive relationship, until eventually one of those relationships almost cost her her life. And as he's strangling me, I'm in and out of consciousness and I'm calling on every guru that I had known, all ten of them. And it was the most scariest experience and that's when I realised, that's me, I'm going. And at that point, I heard this voice at the back of my mind saying, when all else fails, call on the name of Jesus. Well, it's my pleasure to talk to Raj today to explore how she discovered the reality of real love as found in Jesus. Today's interview was conducted in front of a live audience. Raj, domestic abuse, forced marriage and human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the organization. What do you do? I set up the organization about three and a half years ago now. And I found that the amount of need that's there and what's lacking um, for so many that just get left by the wayside. So I set up Breaking the Silence. It was initially um, the vision that God had given me when I became a Christian uh, 18 years ago and what God had shown me that there'd be women from all walks of life coming into this home and through his love and his grace they would be healed and then from there he just gave me breaking the silence Um, the name speaks for itself that's what we do is we encourage and work with people to break the silence I think so much happens behind closed doors Um, most of these topics if not all are taboo well, breaking the silence. Yes. For 20 years, Raj, yes. you suffered abuse in your own right. Mm-hmm. How did it all start and, and, and where did it take you? I started from uh, before I was born. My parents, when they got married, had their own plan. And their plan was to have four children, two girls and two boys. I'm the fourth out of five children. So me being the fourth, I, they wanted me to be a boy. I don't know why. <laughs> But um, thanks to the Lord, he decided otherwise. <laughs> so um, from the moment I was born, that they decided that I'd messed up their plans. My dad rejected me straight away. In the Asian culture, we're taught that we respect our elders. So my mum's dad, my grandfather, fell in love with me. And because he loved me, everybody else had to at least pretend that they liked me. Um, they did that until I was five. And then... Um, Literally, my whole world just crashed. My grandfather had passed away. And as he'd passed away, not even an hour had passed. And that was the first time my dad told me that he hated me. And I knew from that point, my grandfather, who's been my protector, and the one that's shown me love, is now no longer there. So they have nobody to answer to. 
So the abuse started pretty much early on. Um, started with just them telling me that they hated me, wish I was never born, I'm an extra person in the family. And then I started to get physically abused. From the age of eight, I was getting sexually abused and escalated from my cousin to members of my family. For, um, for years, I kept silent. Um, more because I didn't know what to do. There's, there's this whole thing of they're going to think it's me. Um, it feels wrong. It doesn't feel right, but I don't know what to do with it. I was getting beaten up quite regularly. Um, the threats would come if you don't do what I tell you. You're going to get into trouble. And the rest speaks for itself. I was suicidal most of my life, hated my life. I'd wake up every morning crying that I'm awake begging my grandfather all night to take me wherever he was. Every time I tried to end my life, it never worked. And it would just be so much easier if I just died. And um, I'm glad now it never worked. But at the time, it was this torture that I, that I had and that I felt that it was my fault because I must be everything that they say that I am. <laughs> So um, I was just caught up in this web of deceit and lies. I'd go to school, be normal. Um, publicly, I was my dad's favourite. So even if I went and spoke to anybody, it would be a matter of is she just exaggerating or is she telling the truth because publicly I'm my dad's favourite. And I always wanted to be daddy's girl. So I would undo everything that they had said and done in my mind to cope so I created this make-believe world. Um, so every time my dad told me he hated me, I'd change the words to he said he loved me. Every time I got sexually abused, I'd wake up, wash myself, and in that time, scrubbing myself um, and telling myself that it was a dream. So it, I never dealt with reality, and that was my shadow. I just never dealt with reality. I couldn't, I couldn't accept reality. So that was the cycle that I was in. Mm. And you say you were, apart from the sexual abuse, did they beat you? Did you f All the suffer time. physical All the time. My head would abuse. get smashed against the wall. My dad would beat me. They tried to um, get me married off to a, a younger kid than me. <laughs> kid, he was, literally. Mm. Um, I was 18 at the time. I uh, tried to get away from having an arranged marriage very early on. Both my sisters got married when they were young, so I just thought, okay, if I don't learn to cook, they can't marry me off because it's an Indian thing and uh, it's going to look bad on them. <laughs> so I decided I was smarter than my sisters because they were stupid enough to learn how to cook and they both got married off between 17 and 18. So I'm wiser than that and I'm just not. So I would burn everything they would tell me to make. And I'd be quite proud that I burnt everything. And I would happily accept those beatings because it just meant I wasn't getting married. Um, but then it got the better of me. Um, they tried to get me married off to a young lad in India. Took me over there. Well, actually sent me over there. And um, they, I came home and I remember thinking, they're not going to except me saying no um, they applied for his visa and uh, my grandfather my uncle and his uncle were writing love letters on our behalf so it looked like I'd gone on this family vacation found this guy fell in love with him and we both want to get married I remember praying we used to have a prayer room and I'd be in there praying all the time, like <clears throat> prayed to everything that I could think of. And I'm desperate at this point. So now I'm 
going as far as calling on every Hindu god that I'd known because somebody's got to hear me. I cannot get married to this little boy. Um, and I remember being really desperate and sat in this prayer room and I just said, God, if you're real, don't let his visa come through. By the next day, I found out his visa got declined. So I was really happy, praise dancing in the room and uh, high-fiving every picture that we had of every God because I didn't know who answered. So it was this thing of, I can't dare miss anybody out, <laughs> just in case. Um, so there was two things that it did. One which was an uh, open something up to, there is somebody that's listening. I just got to find out who it is. And then the second one that he answered, because now I don't have to marry him. Mm -hmm. um, my uncles, my mum's side of the family were very much involved with the abuse that went on at home. Um, they'd come over, there was this atmosphere, they were angry that his visa got declined and uh, my uncle called me screamed for me and I ran to him because I knew they're going to beat me if I don't move within seconds and I got to him and the next thing I remember I was just knocked out unconscious on the floor and he picked me up on my throat and smashed my head against the wall and started to kick and punch me I was in and out of consciousness and um, as he's beating me he I remember him telling me that they were going to take me to India and just because his visa fell through doesn't mean that I'm not getting married so their idea was to take me to India, marry me off to him and leave me there. And then at that point was when I realised they're not going to ever love you. They're not going to do what is best for you. And I left home and that was the first time I left at 18. So this abuse, if we can just stop for a minute there. Um, sexual abuse, mm -hmm. physical abuse but emotional abuse as well, psychological abuse. How did that affect you? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think that's one of the worst. The physical, we can get over. We can get over a broken bone. We can get over the black eyes and the bruises and so forth. We can get over that. But the psychological and the emotional abuse, looking in the mirror and believing that you're ugly, you know, acting like you're stupid because that's what's been spoken to you every day told that you're not loved that you will never be worth loving that nobody will ever love you um, that you're a waste of space eventually you start to believe those things I had uh, further down the line I had partners that were abusive so it became this thing of are you wearing that today and it'd start with little things and you go oh, oh okay then and you'd go and get changed and it'd be on that basis of I can't now think for myself you are in this cocoon um, and to break out of that is one of the hardest things hmm. so you called on a god you, yeah. you weren't sure <laughs> who he was and we know that uh, the bible says uh, that uh, when we seek god we will find him yes you were obviously beginning to seek a deity that you weren't aware of that had already answered that, that prayer. Yeah. Did you, did you find yourself looking for God in a deeper way after this experience? I think subconsciously, this search for who are you. We believe that the ten gurus are like disciples so that they pave the way and kind of give you the teachings and how you need to be. Um, on top of that, us as a family, we had spirits that we would also have and speak to. So my mum generated these spirits, actually came from my dad's side, but she started to have these spirits that would speak to her through dreams. 
so when we had the prayer room it was because the spirits had spoke to my mom and asked her to do this room up as a shrine to them so what started from dreams then eventually became manifestations. so she would manifest with these spirits speaking through her and we believed that was God because only holy people can have that experience so these spirits would have us in fear things would happen we'd see things dramatically go wrong um, and drastically go wrong and then they would explain that it was them that had done it and the more that we pray to them is the the better they'll look after us or they won't do that again so it became this fear so not all Sikhs believe that full-fledged with the whole spirits thing but they'll go to someone that does you are listening to the reality produced by sure reality a listener supported ministry we value your prayers and support very much you can help us touch millions of people with the reality of christ by becoming a vision partner visit surereality.net and click on become a vision partner that is become a vision partner at surereality.net Listen again to the reality on our podcasts at shorereality.net. We're speaking to Raj Holness, the author of The Only Arranged Marriage, here on The Reality Today. Raj is battling severe abuse in her life at the hands of members of her family. Raj called on a god in her plight, and her call seemed to be answered. But she had no idea who this god was that was helping her. In the Bible we also read, in Psalm 72 verse 12, For he will deliver the needy who cry out and the afflicted who have no one to help. I asked Raj to tell us what followed after she called on the name of God. And at what point in her life did she begin to follow Jesus Christ? I'd gone back home after I left that initial time. They promised me the world. They were calling the police every day and the police um, eventually spoke to me. They were calling me every day as well and the police then convinced me to meet them just so that they would stop calling, know that I'm okay. Um, first time my dad told me he loved me even though it was all pretense um, I decided to go back home and the day that I was going home I told them to give me a week because during that time I was already seeing somebody um, and I knew that after that week I'm not really going to be able to see him that much which they didn't know about so I went home the day that I was going home my sister-in-law called my phone my friend's phone and told me not to come home that during that time that I'd been off, they'd bought a house in Smethwick and they'd had a family meeting and they'd planned to kill me. And they knew how they were going to dispose of my body and so forth. But because my dad had told me he loved me, I wasn't hearing anything else. I went back home. Within a year, my friends had then called my house every day pretending to be the police. A year had gone by, they'd then found this next guy that they wanted me to get married to. Um wedding plans are being made three months before the wedding and um, my mum convinces me to get the police to stop calling uh, I did and that night I was in hospital my dad nearly killed me my mum and my uncle nearly drowned me in the bath uh, I was taken out in paramedics and um, eventually discharged myself because I knew that it was going to get worse uh, but at that point I also knew I need to go so I'd left home um, in and out of women's refuge, battered women's home, just horrendous 
um, experiences, knowing that I can't go back home, but have got nowhere else to go. Family kept finding me, they kept moving me on. Um, met this guy, we, I became a drug dealer, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, started to sell um, all sorts, smuggle drugs into prison, it just didn't care for life at all. Um, the guy that I was with at the time eventually introduced me to one of his friends who was a Christian. And at that time, I'm a proud Sikh girl still and not interested in anything else. And I had this image of Christianity at the time, and it was the songs of praise and the high-pitched singing, which I can't do. And I just imagined people just coming with Bibles and starting to beat people. And, you know, those that you hear in town, and you're going to hell. It's like, it's not for me, thank you. <laughs> so I didn't want to meet this guy, and my partner then basically made me. Um, and that's where it started. When I met this guy, I realized there's something that he carries I've never experienced. And it was that peace. For the first time, I felt safe with somebody, not even my partners, other than my grandfather. And I couldn't understand it. He invited me to his home to meet his wife and children. And it was when I met his wife, she ran to the front door and hugged me. Mm. And as she hugged me, I felt something break from the depth of my core. And I couldn't understand what that was. She is the first person after my grandfather died that I felt I could trust and tell her everything, even though I didn't tell her everything. So my idea was, you know what? I'm going to get you as a Sikh before you get me as a Christian. <laughs> so I'd go in there and pretty up Sikhism and bedazzle it and make sure there's some flashing lights going on and confetti throwing. And she'd just entertain me and go, oh, bless. You know, you're so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Went off, got a couple of books, came back, gave them to me. One of them was I Dare to Call Him Father. And it was a Muslim girl or woman had converted to Christianity. And I remember reading the book in a couple of hours thinking, she's a weak Muslim woman. I'm a strong Sikh girl. Is nobody going to change me? And um, threw the book away. <laughs> By the next one, the next one was where God had got my attention. And it was called Beware of the Devil. And to this day, I cannot find that book. I believe that God put that there for me. And it was like reading about my mom and the, the encounter that she had with the spirits. But this was a white guy. Yeah. My mom's an Asian woman. How can this white guy have the exact same experience that my mom was having with these spirits? So by the end of the book, I didn't want to understand or accept that we would be worshipping the devil all this time. And um, so I took the books back to her. I got one out of the bin. She doesn't know that yet. <laughs> Gave them back to her. And it was just like, yeah, that was fine. And every time I went to their house, I would ha I literally be engulfed in this peace that I couldn't, I couldn't understand. I've dipped in the holy water in the golden temple. I've done everything that I needed to do, but never have I experienced this? And in the back of my mind going, what is this feeling? What is it that, what kind of voodoo <laughs> do they do in this house that makes me feel like I could sleep here peacefully? They invited me to church and I'd gone and 
that was a shock to the system. Um, Pentecostal church, <laughs> which is um, New Testament. So I'm there, Indian little girl, full of a church with all black people thinking, what am I doing if my parents saw me now? <laughs> but, you know, I absolutely loved it. And I'm sitting in the back and I'm fighting with myself because I can't have this feeling. But really, that peace and that love that I felt was the same as what I would feel in this Christian's home. By then, my partner, I'd started to have dreams. And in these dreams that my mom used to have and I'd be freaked out, I'd never want dreams. But I realized that God started to speak to me. And in this dream, he warned me about the boyfriend that I had and that I needed to let go of him. And I didn't do being alone very well. And I just thought, you know what, when I find a replacement, I'll get rid of him. <laughs> so I'm now on a hunt <laughs> for a tall, dark, handsome man to replace the one that I thought was tall, dark and handsome. And um, I didn't listen. And for five nights, God gave me the same dream. <laughs> By the end of that week, he came and beat me, started to strangle me smashed my head against the wall again and threw me down on the bed and he started to strangle me and his whole weight is on my neck and I knew at that point I'm going to die tonight there's no two ways about it and as he's strangling me I'm in and out of consciousness and I'm calling on every guru that I had known all ten of them I started to then call on every spirit that I knew were real because I saw them manifest through my mom. I'm calling on everything. By then, I, my eyes are starting to roll back and I know that I'm on my last breath. And I'm calling on every Hindu god. By now, it's like, right, Allah's my last resort. That's when you know it's bad <laughs> for me to go, right, that's, he's an option. And I remember in my mind going, Allah, if you save me, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Nothing. And by now, my eyes started to lock back. And as my eyes are starting to roll back to the back of my head, I felt like a vacuum on my spirit. And it started to get sucked out. And it was the most scariest experience. And that's when I realized, uh, that's me, I'm going. And at that point, I heard this voice at the back of my mind saying, when all else fails, call on the name of Jesus. And at that point, you quickly go, right, what have I got to lose? I've tried everything else. And that's when, in my mind, Jesus, if you're real, make him stop. And that second, my boyfriend got off me. <laughs> and I looked up, and it was a bit of, a, again, the shock of what just happened. Who just answered me? And I can't believe he tried to kill me. So he was a latter thought than somebody just answered me again but this time I'd said the name Jesus and within that moment I'm trying to reason the fact that I can't accept Jesus because he's a God for white people he's not a God for Indians uh, okay he's a God also for black people because of the Pentecostal church but he's not a God <laughs> for Indians and I'd as crazy as it sounds I'd reasoned the fact that it was one of those above, apart from Jesus, that answered me, it just took a while for him to come and save me. Within that week, I'd gone into a depression. He'd caused me a neck injury and I couldn't go to work or anything else. And I became suicidal. And these voices in my head telling me and replaying the whole of my life, all the things that my dad had said. And I started to have that conversation back 
And yet it is my fault. And the devil promising me that if I try to end my life today, nothing will stop me. And even told me how to do it. Take these pills, but this time they'll work. This time they'll work. Just take a few extra and you'll just sleep peacefully. You won't even feel no pain. And for me, the words were feeling no pain, which was, I'm okay with that. And I locked my flat door and I knew that this time nobody can come and intervene. And all the time prior to that, God had someone there to intervene. So this time I'm sitting there on the bed and about four steps and the windowsill's there and the pills are there. And that's the ones that these voices have said, take, because it's your fault. You're dirty, you're ugly, you're all these things. Just end it and do yourself a favor. Okay. And I'm trying to get off the bed and I can't move the bottom half of me. And it was like my mind um, the rest of my body weren't connecting. I was saying, get up. But my legs were speaking a different language. And I remember that point screaming at the top of my voice, okay, God, if you're real, show me who you are right here, right now. Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself. And at that point, the presence of God, that same peace that I only ever experienced in church or that Christian family's home, so now I can't deny the truth. I have to accept the truth. And at that point, I realized he's, my room was literally like a furnace. And I remember falling to the floor, and I'm, I'm over the bed, and I'm screaming, and I'm crying. Because so many different things. One, I haven't committed suicide. Two, this God yet again has answered me. And I just felt his arms hold me from behind, and he said, I love you. I died so that you could have life and life abundantly. And at that point, I'm crying, but I'm in shock that you love me, but I'm dirty. I've been raped, molested, beaten. You can't love me. Let me clean myself up. I swear, every other word, believe it or not, (laughs) I swear so much. I've offended you and dishonored you I've cursed you you can't love me just the way that I am and God is saying I accept you just as you are and at that point I remember saying okay come into my life change my life do whatever you want to do I'm giving you me I don't trust you I'll give you one percent of me (laughs) Can you imagine? You're reasoning with God. I'll give you 1% of me. And I knew that he accepted my 1%. But then what I started to see was he would cater and nurture that 1% far better than I was of my 99. If you're accepting a real relationship with me where I can come and talk to you bold, then I'll accept you. And every point God has come and talked to me. You don't like something, come and talk to me. You're unhappy with something, come and talk to me. But the truth is what's going to set you free. And that's where my journey started. I'll give you me. The words of Raj Holness after she called in the name of Jesus Christ and the Lord had rescued her from a life of violent abuse. 
If this has in any way touched your life and you'd like to know more about finding Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net, and we can pray together. I would love to hear from you. The Reality is produced by a listener-supported radio ministry called Sure Reality. With your prayer and financial support, we can produce this radio program to touch lives around the world. So please consider becoming a partner with us. Go to our website, surereality.net, and click on the menu option, Become a Vision Partner. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, keep walking in that sure reality of Jesus. Jesus.